the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Bohab was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rohoboam. Rohoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, and Amon the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of his de deportation, deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Ab Abihud, and Abihud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Welcome. I want to draw your attention to this manger. You know, I want you to imagine livestock in here and goats and sheep and cows just kind of all gathered around it and just munching away to their heart's content. It's a busy, loud, smelly cave with this manger at the center of it, and animals are eating without paying any attention to what's going on around them, the way animals have a tendency to do when they're feeding. And then a couple comes into this cave, and a baby is born. And the baby's father shoes the animals away from the trough, and the mother lays her newborn baby in the very spot animals were just eating. It's an inappropriate place for a baby to be laid. I don't think any of us who have children ever had one of these in a nursery to lay our babies in. But this manger is exactly where Jesus needs to be laid. I'm going to explain that to you. The genealogy of Jesus that James just read to us contains every single bit of theology that you will ever need to understand to have a relationship with God when you view that genealogy through this manger. And that theology is scandalous. And the manger lies at the heart of that scandal. It's the linchpin between human history and theology, God's presence with us. It's the moment that the scandal of the genealogy meets the scandal of indwelling. 
God coming to earth as Jesus through the genealogy of humans so that he could abide in human hearts for all eternity. And the scandal of the manger and of the genealogy is this. God used unworthy, wounded, sinful, fallen, and scandalous individuals to accomplish the purpose of abiding in the human heart. God living in my heart, in your heart, is a scandal. And it's as scandalous as putting a new baby in a feed trough. Our hearts are as inappropriate for God to dwell in as a feed trough is for a newborn baby to lie in. This manger and this genealogy reveal that God's plan was always to go to the places that were not fit for his majesty and to dwell there forever. Let me explain a little further by taking you back to the genealogy that James read for us. You see, Abraham had another son. His name was Ishmael. And he had that son by a woman who was not his wife. And he abandoned that son to the wilderness. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, lied to and tricked his father Isaac so that he could steal his older brother's birthright. Judah, the son of Jacob, conspired with his other brothers to sell their brother Joseph into slavery. David murdered a man so he could steal his wife. And that's just the men in this genealogy. What about the women in this genealogy? Tamar, she disguised herself as a prostitute and seduced her father-in-law. Rahab was a prostitute by occupation, not by disguise. Ruth was a total outsider to the Jewish people. And finally, Mary, an unwed pregnant teen. Here's how this genealogy, when combined with this manger, contains all of the theology that you need to know to be with God. The people in Jesus' genealogy are exactly the people he came to save. The prostitute, the sinner, the cheater, the thief, the liar, the self-serving, the lost, and the unwanted, and the wounded. Listen to his words in Luke 5, 32. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. He's an equal opportunity savior. He's equally available to the scoundrel and the saint, to the righteous and the sinful, to the inflicted, to the insulted, to the cunning, the weak-willed and the misunderstood. Maybe that's you today. If it is, he wants to minister to you where you are. He's available to the pious and the significant, the powerful and the respected and the strong. And maybe that's you today. And if it is, he wants to minister to you where you are. Then we get to the last 14 generations in the genealogy that Matthew wrote. Who are these people? Do any of us know? Anyone in this room would be hard-pressed to tell you anything about the names listed in those last 14 generations. Azor, Akim, Eliud, Eliezer, Matin. That's not exactly a who's who list of Bible names. We don't name our kids after any of these. We stick with the ones we know. Paul, David. Maybe you're here as one of the unknown. The disregarded the ones who feel invisible and unnoticed. 
you feel irrelevant and unimportant. Maybe that's you today. And if it is, he wants to minister to you too. See, this is where the genealogy of Jesus settles directly on us. God has done so many powerful things through so many people who were self-righteous or betrayers or outcasts or liars or cheaters. He uses people who are a complex mixture of both sinner and saint, both the obscure and the well-known, those who are fatally flawed and simultaneously gifted. God, in a nasty, slobbery, smelly feed trough. When we read the genealogy of Jesus, we see, well, that that's where God is most comfortable. That's where he prefers to be. A royal crib wouldn't sit well with a God who's been abiding in the feed trough people for millennia. A palace would be out of place for a God who's always sought to live with the broken, the rejected, the flawed, the scoundrels, the failures, the liars, and the cheaters. A palace is not his home. A feed trough is. This is the greatest scandal of Christmas. That God, perfect and majestic, all-powerful and glorious, who has need of nothing but contains everything within himself, would choose to inhabit the feed trough lives of people like you and me. That's the scandal. Do you see now why a feed trough is the most appropriate place for God to rest when he came as a baby in the flesh? He'd been doing that for generations. This feed trough is the perfect picture of your heart and of my heart inappropriate for God, a place he shouldn't ever abide in. It's nasty, it's worn, it's rough. And yet, that's where he chooses to lay. That's where he chooses to abide. And I know that that there are people here tonight who don't normally find church a welcoming place and certainly aren't enticed by going to church and I'm, I'm sure that some folks here, you feel out of place, you feel like you don't belong, like everyone else is so self-righteous or that they have it all together and you, well, you, you just feel like a mess. And some of you came only because your mom did that mom thing that moms do. All I want for Christmas is for the whole family to come to church together. And that's the only reason you're here, I get that. Can I just say, if that's you, you came to the right place? Because we know that you are basically a feed trough person. And we know that because we are feed trough people. This is exactly why Jesus is comfortable abiding in us. He's always sought the place where healing could take place. He's always looked for those who the world disregards who have no power in and of themselves. The ones who look like the outcast and the disregarded and the irrelevant and the unimportant and the wounded and the cheaters and the liars. That's his genealogy. That's his lineage. Those are his ancestors. It's why he would be more comfortable abiding in you 
if you would just ask him, because that's where he's been living. There's nothing in you that makes you an inappropriate place for him to abide. That's his ancestry. That's what brought him to the feed trough in the first place. The line of scoundrels and thieves and liars and murderers and all the people that the world looks at and says, I have no use for you. That's who God used. And that's why this manger was always the place where Jesus would be laid. Because it's always been the place that he was created to come to. Because our heart, our broken and sinful hearts, are very much like this manger. And so if that's you, if you feel as if maybe for the first time you've come to some realization that you do have a feed trough heart, that you do have a feed trough life like the rest of us, I want to invite you to come back. I want to invite you to come back in January when we start a series called Simply Jesus. And we just want to introduce you to the one who is comfortable being laid as a baby in this. Because the place he's always wanted to be laid is here in your heart. And so I want to encourage you and invite you to come back for that. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas with family and friends. You stay warm and that you just enjoy this time. But remember that if this is where the God of the universe was comfortable coming to be laid as a baby, then this is nothing new to him. He'd welcome the opportunity to be laid and resting and abiding in your feed trough heart, which is the same heart that we all have. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful that you and your majesty and glory feel comfortable in the places where we don't think you should go. It's not the palace you sought. It's the human heart. It's not royalty that you came for, but for those who are the exact opposite of that, the broken and lost, the wounded, the disregarded, which we all are, Lord. But the genealogy that you came from tells us that you're accustomed to associating with those kind of people. And the manger that you were laid in tells us that you're comfortable resting in places that don't seem fit, which describes all of us. And so we thank you for that. And we celebrate your birth this glorious Christmas day and ask that you would be lifted up and that we would all see you in new ways as we celebrate your coming to us in the flesh to redeem us, to save us, but most importantly, to abide in us. And for that, we thank you, God. Amen.